It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Pause. Nothing personal word of the day. Today is Monday, November 9th. The word of the day is cause. Cause is a word that you learn about in law school, and it usually is accompanied by the word termination. That's how I used cause for most of my 18-year career in baseball. When you fire somebody, you have two ways to fire them if they're under contract. You can terminate them for cause or terminate them without cause. That is a very big difference to both the person who's being fired and the person who's doing the firing. Termination for cause is when the employee does something that violates his contract. Let's say a baseball player is not allowed to go skydiving. He goes skydiving. He breaks his shoulder or his face or does a full Will Ferrell from Wedding Crashers. Hey, look, you're skydiving. Hey, look, he's dead. What an idiot. I love that scene. So when someone does something for a cause that violates the contract, you send them a letter under paragraph 10, section A of your employment contract dated June 29th, 1969. We are hereby terminating, terminating, terminating. We are hereby terminating your contract for cause. Please leave your ID at the door. Give back your garage door opener all keys, all laptops, cell phone. And by the way, don't steal any post-it notes because we're keeping track. Bye-bye. Or you get a letter like this. Dear John Doe, we are hereby terminating your employment contract dated November 9th, 2020. Because we want to. You didn't do anything. So you will continue to get paid every two weeks under the terms of your contract until the term of your contract has been completed. Please leave your post-it notes, keys, key card, tickets, garage door opener, and anything else you may have purloined during your time with us on your desk. Security will be there momentarily. So termination for cause, termination without cause are two very important concepts. When we fire managers... You know, we're good at that. They're always terminated without cause. They always get paid the balance of their contract. When you terminate other employees, you see if you can terminate them for a cause. You build a file. So let's say you have an employee in the marketing department and you're not happy with what that employee's been doing. You don't think that employee's been doing a good job. You evaluate them once a year. You have very 
significantly serious employee evaluations. You use your human resources department, there are forms, and it's called papering the file. Here's the 10 things you need to work on. Here's your measurable goals. Get to it. Good luck. And then if you don't do it, the next year's evaluation is, hey, we're terminating you and you did not do your job. Termination for cause. Or when there's a player and the player is signed to a contract and we want to get rid of that player, but we'd like to do it for cause. We look for things that player has done that would let us get rid of the player and not have to pay the balance of his guaranteed contract. And and breaking curfew is not cause. Let's not misunderstand. Letting a ball go through your legs is not cause. Striking out with the man on third base and one out is not cause. Giving up a walk-off home run, blowing a save, that's not cause. As much as I wish it were. That's just, hey, you stink. We're releasing you. Bye-bye. General manager, same thing. A bad trade, a bad year, the inability to put a team together, that's not cause. You move on. You've got to pay the balance of your contract to that general manager. Scout, same thing. That player stinks. I can't believe we drafted him. He can't even throw a ball. He's a drug addict. He's, what, he's a lefty, not a righty. All of those things, <clears throat> you terminate the scout because the scout's a bad scout, but you have to pay the scout if he's got a contract. Player development people are the people who manage your minor league players. When your minor league players don't become major league players and you get pissed off, you cannot terminate them for cause. You terminate them for lack of success. So why am I going through all this on a random Monday on nothing personal? Because when somebody is terminated for cause and they believe that they should have been terminated without cause and there's a lot of money at stake, you know exactly what's going to happen. It's called the lawsuit. We found out yesterday that Jeff Lunau, the former president of baseball operations for the Houston Astros, has sued the Houston Astros for get ready. Not one, not two, not three, not four. $22 million. Why? Because when Jim Crane terminated him following the sign-stealing scandal, where it was discovered that the Astros were stealing signs and then hitting garbage cans in order to communicate those signs to the batters at the plate, Jeff Lunau and A.J. Hinch were suspended by baseball for a year and then that day fired by Jim Crane. Since then, A.J. Hinch has tried to apologize. He's been humble. He has been contrite. And he is now the manager of the Detroit Tigers. Alex Cora was the bench coach, suspended for one year. He's been quiet. He's been humble. He's been contrite. He's been apologetic. He's now the manager of the Red Sox, having been fired by the Red Sox. Carlos Beltran has been humble, has been contrite, has been quiet, still unemployed. But Jeff Lunau, remember I told you that Jeff Lunau was not appreciated by the other people in the industry, not in the way that some people liked me or didn't like me because they thought that I was too forward thought that I was too involved, thought that I was too loud, thought that I was too abrasive, thought that I was too short, thought that I was too Jewish, 
any of the myriad things that people may have felt. Jeff Luna was not popular amongst team presidents and team GMs because of the way he acted. I never went around owners' meetings thinking, yeah, the Marlins are the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. I, one of the things I have, I definitely have a healthy ego, but I do not want anyone to think that I'm great at what I do because I tell them. I want people to think I'm great at what I do if I'm great at what I do. And if you don't think I'm great at what I do, then you don't have to think I'm great at what I do. Jeff Lunau was a little opposite. He wanted everyone to think he was the smartest person in the room, wanted everyone to say that he was great at what he did. And since he got let go by the Astros, he has gone full scorched earth. He has blamed everyone under the sun, all the people below him. He said that he had no idea what was going on. And I told you on Nothing Personal that that is one of the biggest loads of crap I've ever heard. Jeff Lunau was a control freak who knew every little thing that was going on in his company. Every little thing. By the way, same with Jim Crane, even though he was totally exonerated. So why is Jeff Lunau suing the Astros? Because when the Astros fired him, he had $22 million left on his contract that may or may not have included certain performance bonuses, including bonuses that he may get had the Astros continued to win, which they did this past year in 2020 by making it all the way to game seven of the ALCS and losing to the Rays, the eventual World Series losers. Jeff Lunau is claiming in his lawsuit that he was unjustly fired for cause and that if Jim Crane wanted to get rid of him, that's fine, but pay me my money. He further is alleging in the lawsuit that Jim Crane was involved in the punishment that Rob Manford laid out to Jeff Lunau and A.J. Hinch, that Jim Crane was exonerated by Rob Manford in a deal cut by Rob Manford and Jeff Lunau that would have included the firing of Jeff Lunau. Well, discovery of this lawsuit is going to be fascinating. Discovery is when each side has to release emails or any written documents that exist between any parties on the subject of the lawsuit. So if Jim Crane and Rob Manford were in contact with each other via email, Jeff Lunau is going to find that out. If Rob Manford, during the course of figuring out the punishment for the Astros, in any way exonerated Jim Crane, even though he had reason to believe that Jim Crane was involved or should have known or did know, we're going to find out. What does that mean? We're never going to find out. Jeff Lunau's lawsuit against Jim Crane has zero chance of going to court. MLB and Jim Crane will not allow this lawsuit to go to court. Jeff Lunau is going to get a settlement. And the way you calculate whether or not you're going to take a settlement is the following. And Jeff Lunau understands that money matters more than pride. Money matters more than being right. Money matters more than taking down Jim Crane or Rob Manford or anyone else in the commissioner's office or with the Houston Astros. All of the things that Jeff Lunau has done publicly until this point were only a preamble, a precursor to this lawsuit. I wonder whether Jim Crane would offer Jeff Lunau zero dollars, but hey, I'll take responsibility. I knew what was going on. Sorry, Jeff. Is that good enough? Jeff Lunau will say, screw you, not a chance. How about this? Jeff, you're right. You didn't know anything. 
I'm going to go public and do a press release. And I'm going to say that you are totally innocent. No question about it. But I'm not giving you a dollar. We good? Jeff Lunau can't be that stupid. The way this ends is with a settlement and a confidentiality provision and a anti-disparagement provision. Anti-disparagement means that Jeff Lunau, from this day forward, after getting the money, will not be able to say one bad word about MLB or Jim Crane. It means Jim Crane will not be able to say one bad word to Jeff Lunau about Jeff Lunau. That's what a disparagement clause is. Confidentiality. Jeff Lunau will not be able to discuss the settlement, discuss the amount, discuss why it was settled, discuss the process of the settlement, discuss the case in any way whatsoever. And neither will MLB and neither will Jim Crane. But guess what? MLB and Jim Crane don't want to discuss it anymore. They want to bury it like an ostrich's head in the sand. They want to make it yesterday's news so badly that their palms are sweaty. Jeff Lunau could capitalize that on that, make a few headlines, give a few more interviews because he started to do that. But none of that puts money in his pocket and he wants money in his pocket. So the word of the day is cause. Jeff Lunau is suing the Astros for breach of contract for $22 million. You now know exactly what will happen. Watch as it does. And then that will be the last we ever hear of Jeffrey Lunau. Well, we had a uh, election winner this weekend. Saturday, Joe Biden was named the de facto president-elect. Kamala Harris, the vice president-elect, first woman, first African-American woman, first Indian woman, first South Asian woman. Woman. They gave a victory speech on Saturday night at a drive-through. Donald Trump has not conceded, may not concede. Today's a day when lawsuits will be filed, hinder and yonder. I don't think that's the expression, Coca. Hither and yither, dither and heather. I don't know the expression. Hinder, I want to say hinder and yonder. I'm blanking. Lawsuits will be filed. All legal votes will be cast aside, whether it's one or 10 million. All legal votes will continue to be counted and there will be a transfer of power on January 20th. What happened in the baseball world yesterday fascinated me. The Washington Nationals are a team that is in a very tough position in Washington. Their ballpark, as you know, is frequented by politicians from both sides of the aisle. The Lerner family owns the Nationals, and they entertain politicians from both sides of the aisle. Every time I'm in their suite, over all the years I was ever there, there were always politicians in the suite. They got to be very careful about gifts they're getting. They buy their own tickets in the outfield, is my guess. And then they go to the suite and eat some tea and crumpets. And the learners have to be very careful not to be too pro-conservative, too pro-liberal. Because as you've heard in previous Nothing Personal episodes, you got to play both sides because you don't know who's going to have the power. And in Washington, you've got to be on the side of power. When you own the baseball team in Washington, you are counted on by Major League Baseball of being on the side of power. But interestingly enough, the Lerner family are Democrats. And they made a statement yesterday, totally unbelievable, 
where they said that Joe Biden would be throwing out the first pitch on opening day of the 2021 season. What an unbelievable up yours to President Trump. Regardless of what you think of the president, there are certain things that the president does and should do. Throw out first pitches, host teams in the White House. And when you have a president where teams don't want to go to the White House because they are so vehemently against the president. When we went to see President Bush, there were plenty of people on our team who were who were Democrats and not conservatives. But they still went to the White House because the honor of being invited to the White House. Plenty of teams have had presidents throw out first pitches who they did not necessarily agree with politically. But Trump, as you know, created all sorts of divisiveness. He had he got more votes for him than any winning president in the history of our country. He got more votes in a losing cause than any president in history. Talk about a country divided. Biden got more votes than any president elect in the history. Because people paid attention to our cry to vote and they voted. But the nationals, in an absolutely shocking, aggressive move, got Biden to throw the first pitch of opening day. Now, if you are in the, in the Senate or in the House in Washington, and you're a Republican, and you see how the nationals have acted, the nationals now have to do a little bit of damage control. The damage control they have to do is to make sure that the Republicans understand why the Lerner family chose so aggressively to embrace Biden when they had chosen so aggressively to repulse Trump. Because whether or not those are their beliefs is not relevant. Because remember, you cannot act the way you believe when you are the owner of a team in D.C. But at the end of the day... They're going to. So if I'm the Nationals, I release that statement only after I've spoken to Mitch McConnell, only after I have spoken to Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, our local representatives on both sides. I'm making it clear to them that I don't want them to read the fact that we've invited Biden to throw out the first pitch. I want them to hear it from me. Whenever we did any sort of press release that would involve something we were trying to do politically, trying to get public money for a ballpark, trying to get public money for a capital reserve system, capital reserve account, trying to invite a national politician into our home locally. We would have a list of people we would call. We called it, we would have tons of different lists, but they were checklists. Okay, if we're going to do X, we have to call the following people on Y list. Community leaders on both sides of the aisle, community politicians on both sides of the aisle, national politicians on both sides of the aisle, attorneys, PR people. We did not make a move before we would go through our checklist. I assume that all teams and all companies do the same, except if they did, would there even be nothing personal? I don't think there would. So many mistakes are made by people because they're not organized. 
they don't realize the ripple effect of their action. They don't realize that people, especially in this day and age, in the 24-hour news cycle, hang on every word they say or every tweet they send or every Instagram they post. It fascinates me that teams still make PR mistakes the way they do, that teams still step on their own feet the way they do. I hope the Nationals didn't do it, but Joe Biden will be throwing out the first pitch opening day, and I hope that people didn't discover it through the national statement. So I discovered something else this weekend, and I admit it. I spent so many years rooting against the Miami Dolphins, even though I had to lie and say that I rooted for them. I never rooted for the Dolphins. I wanted them to lose every single game. I wanted them to lose in blowout fashion every game. I wanted GMs and coaches to be fired. I loved when Steve Ross came in and they were going in and out of coaches in and out of a day and through a year trying to find the right coach. Then when they drafted Tua, I was excited because what if they got a quarterback that is the first quarterback they've had since Dan Marino? What if they finally have a franchise quarterback that can take away all of their playoff misery? When I was... For 18 years, I witnessed one playoff game by the Dolphins. Maybe two. Zero playoff wins by the Dolphins. Maybe one. I don't know, Coca. I think it's zero. I think it was zero wins and one game or zero wins in two games. Anyway, they were horrific. But now I root for the Dolphins because I want the Dolphins to win because I want the Dolphins and Heat to take all attention away from the Marlins. Although I do wish the Marlins would win a little bit. Not much, but a little. So I watched this weekend two quarterbacks, one of whom is coming off a hip injury, was the number five pick, and one of whom is the number one pick who could have been a Major League Baseball player. Remember Kyler Murray was drafted in the first round by the Oakland A's and chose football over baseball, and I was very critical because in my view... Football is good in the short term for money and signing bonus. But baseball, your earning capacity in baseball, if you're good, is way higher. But the reality is that it's harder to be a professional baseball player out of the draft than it is to be a professional football player out of the draft. And a number one pick in the NFL has a greater likelihood than a number nine pick in the Major League Baseball draft. But if you hit it in baseball, you're going to get more guaranteed money than you would have in football. There's no doubt about it. Kyler Murray chose football, and the Cardinals are happy. But his Cardinals team lost to Tua last night or yesterday afternoon. Tua is 2-0 and as a starter. What are the Dolphins doing right now? I don't know that Tua is even in the top 10 of jersey sales. I assume that Tom Brady is still number one. Although after his performance yesterday, he probably shouldn't be. Just a bad game, right, Coca? Although when a 43-year-old has a bad game, it's cause for concern, I would say. But two, I think, fell out of the top 10. But the Dolphins decided two weeks ago that they were going to start him as random as can be. The Dolphins were 3-3 three and three at the time. They're now 5-3. and three. They're actually in a position. They're in the playoffs right now, the expanded playoffs. I think they're the seventh seed in the AFC. The Dolphins have had so many years of losing and frustration, so much turnover in quarterbacks, so much turnover in head coaches that they think they've got a star. So if I'm running the Dolphins right now, 
I'm doing a couple things. The first thing I'm doing is every single piece of marketing collateral now has Tua on it. I've called my marketing people together. I am forgetting Brian Flores. I'm forgetting anybody else on the team. This is all about Tua. It is called T-squared. It's Tua time. You want a media guide? Tua's on the cover. You want a season ticket brochure for 2021? Tua's on the cover. You want a game weekday program? Tua's on the cover. You want a yearbook? Tua's on the cover. You want to do a giveaway? Tua's on the giveaway. I'm calling my corporate salespeople together. I am calling all of corporate sales partners whose deals run out at the end of the season, and I am pimping out Tua. You re-up with us, we'll get Tua to make an appearance. You want to do a giveaway, we'll make sure Tua's on it. You want to do a commercial with Tua, we'll make sure Tua does it. I'm meeting with my salespeople. I am starting to work on season ticket sales for 2021 right now. I've met with my CFO. I'm coming up with prices because I'm raising them. I'm doing an entire new rubric of season tickets. I am betting hard that Tua is going to make our team a Super Bowl contender, and I don't want to leave a penny on the table, and I'm going to use him and abuse him because every snap could be his last because that's how baseball goes. His hip could go. His knee, his leg, his ankle, his head, anything can happen. I don't wish it on Tua. Baseball's a violent baseball. Football's a violent sport. But I need to make hay while the sun shines. So I've met with the CFO to come up with season ticket prices. I've met with ticket sales to start making sure that they have an approach to selling tickets for next season. I've met the marketing people to redo all the collateral. Then I go meet the football people. And I say, listen, we're going to need to borrow Tua from time to time. But... Our focus is on him being good on the field. We don't want to distract him too much, but you better devise plays and you better devise an offensive scheme that maximizes the use of Tua. I want his name called on 85% of the plays, whether it's the option, whether he's passing, whatever he's doing. Then I'm going to my PR people and I'm telling them, get to all the local news outlets, I want stories. The local editors, beat reporters, the national guys. I want stories on the turnaround of the Dolphins led by Tua. I want stories on Brian Flores and his decision, wink, 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 to make Tua the quarterback. When you are trying to make money off a player, we did, by the way, we all do it. When something happens that could be lightning in a bottle, if you don't take advantage that second, it's gone. Poof. You can make fun of me all you want for selling tickets to Roy Halladay's perfect game that he pitched a pro player. Why? If you can make extra money, you make extra money by selling tickets to people who weren't there. If you call up Dontrell Willis and he becomes literally a once-in-a-lifetime addition to your team and people want to buy tickets to the games he pitches, you tell the baseball people when he's going to pitch and you announce it in advance. You arrange it so Dontrell Willis faces Randy Johnson and you make sure that you are charging the maximum for your tickets. This is normal business. It's just not talked about. 
And nothing personal. You know, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to mention it. Why wouldn't I mention it? It makes perfect sense to mention. Tua and the Dolphins are a marriage made in heaven. Will the Dolphins take advantage and go through the list of what is necessary in order to reap financial benefits? Steve Ross is no fool. I guarantee you that this morning, that's exactly what is going on in the Dolphins organization. All right, we're going to get to a, so you want to talk to Samson after the break. We're going to talk about some college football stuff that happened, which was fascinating to me this weekend. Absolutely fascinating. But when we come back, we are reviewing a movie that was suggested to me by Coca's grandfather. Huh? We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. We're going to talk about college football and a few things that happened this weekend. I got some cool way to seize a correction, but first we got a review. So you know I'm always looking for content and I'm always looking for movies and TV shows. Coca, the producer, you know him well, you know his name. You may not know his face. He is real. I still get that, Coca. I still get people who see me in various places or contact me through various modes of contact. Hey, is Coca real or is Wilson really Coca? No, Wilson's Wilson. Coca's Coca. There is no show without Coca. You know that. All of our successes are because of me and Coca. All of our failures, according to Coca, is when I don't put on a good show. I can deal with that. We have a loyal listener. We have many loyal listeners. Thank you for that. Whether you download, subscribe, please tell your friends. Get in our YouTube channel, by the way. Go to Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Hit subscribe. You can watch this on YouTube. If you're listening, download. Please hit subscribe. I know it's a pain in the neck, but you do it one time. You can even write a review. That'd be cool. Rate it five stars. That wouldn't suck. We don't want to get fired. We want raises, actually. We need you. Coca's grandfather is one of our most loyal listeners. And I love him. I've spoken to him. I've never met him. He suggested I watch a movie called Everything is Illuminated. I'd never heard of the movie. 
but I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's Coca's grandpa. I had no idea that it was written for the screen and directed by Lee Schreiber, who plays Ray Donovan. I had no idea it starred Elijah Wood. I had no idea what it was about. Everything is illuminated is about a boy who is a bit of a hoarder. He keeps things, keepsakes. He wants to find where his grandpa lived in the Ukraine. His grandpa has passed away. His grandma's passed away. And he goes on a trek. It's really an old story, searching for family roots, trying to find yourself. This movie had me emotional. It had me thinking about my family, my roots, my great-grandparents. It had me wishing that I had the type of drive or the type of, I don't know what the word is, the type of desire that is just so rare that I would get on a plane and go to Russia and Poland and find my ancestors, learn about where they lived, how they lived. Everything is illuminated is the story of Elijah Wood finding out where he's from, finding out where his family is from, the characters he meets along the way. It is a story that puts him on a privately booked tour to a small village that may or may not exist where his grandfather may or may not lived and that his grandfather may or may not be his grandfather and that his tour guide may or may not be someone who has part of the story. There are layers to this story that I was discovering through the credits. And I don't mean the opening credits. Everything is Illuminated is a movie that I would suggest to you, not relevant if you're Jewish or not Jewish, doesn't matter. Not relevant if your ancestors come off the Mayflower or come from Russia, Poland, whatever religion, whatever your background. Watching Elijah Wood act without talking with his eyes through Coke bottle glasses, by the way. Looking at him interact with people in a strange world and seeing his facial expressions as they evolve, as his comfort evolves, understanding his lot in life, his place in life. It's fascinating. Everything is illuminated. Please watch it. Thank you, Coca's grandpa. Keep those recommendations coming because you are one for one. All right, Coca, we got some Tony LaRusso stuff. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. By the way, I have a laptop now. If you're watching this, you can't really see it. But if you're listening, I got a laptop. I finally needed a laptop. I got one. I keep touching the screen trying to move it, and it's not a touchpad. And I find that to be incredibly annoying. I have to use my finger on some sort of rectangular flat mouse. So I ended up buying a wireless mouse except in order to a wireless mouse to work, you have to connect it somehow because there's no wire. And so I can't figure out how to connect it. So I'm trying to move up and down the topics here by touching the screen and it's not working. It's annoying. So you want to talk to Samson, get on Twitter at David P. Samson. Instagram, ask me a question. If it's cool, funny and relevant, trending, I'll try to answer. How would you deal with Tim Anderson if you were Tony La Russa? Hmm. That is a 
Strange question. Not a lot of people will have any idea what that means, but it's a hell of a story. Tony LaRusse is the 76-year-old almost octogenarian hired by Jerry Reinsdorf to manage the Chicago White Sox. Tim Anderson is their MVP caliber superstar shortstop. Tim Anderson is African-American, extremely active in baseball, extremely active in trying to increase the number of African-Americans participating in baseball. He is outspoken in a very positive way. He is a young, great player. He's a bat flipper. He's a new generation guy. When MLB does a marketing campaign that says, let the kids play, they're talking about Tim Anderson. Tony La Russa is the opposite. He is an old school guy. You hit me, I hit you harder. You throw one of my guys, I throw one of your best players' heads. You want me to cooperate when there's a rain delay or an issue? Forget it. I'm not giving you an inch. I'm taking a foot. Spirit of cooperation? Nope. Tim Anderson gave an interview, and he said there's been a lot of news saying that we might not get along, talking about Tony La Russa. Hopefully, we can get along and continue to do what the ultimate goal is, to try to win a championship on the South Side. I'm just ready to pick his brain and learn the knowledge. Just try to have fun with it if he allows that. But I won't change my style the way I play for Tony. That won't happen. I will continue to be me. I always have and I always will be. We'll see what happens, I guess, if I do do a bat flip. There's so much wrong here that I don't really know where to start. So when you ask me how I would deal with Tim Anderson if I were Tony La Russa, When you are hired as a new manager and you know that it's going to be a controversial hire that's based on what the owner wants and that you don't have the support of the general manager and that the players are young enough to be your grandkids and they're going to look at you with disdain and contempt and don't realize that you are a winning manager from back yonder. I'm going back to my list, Coca. You got to have a list of what you need to do immediately. First thing. Call your superstar immediately. Then go see him. If COVID means you can't travel, you Zoom. If you can't Zoom, get your grandchild to figure it out. If I can Zoom with Jack McKeon, when I Zoomed with him and he did the Samson sit down, do you know how he did it? He had his granddaughter come to his house and set up the Zoom and make sure everything was fine. And then he did the show. Maybe that wasn't a Samson sit down. That may have been on Levitard. I actually don't know. In either case, Tony LaRusso needed to call Tim Anderson because that article and that interview never should have come out. What Tim Anderson should have said is the following, but he can only have said it if Tony LaRusso had done what he was supposed to do. Tony LaRusso called me the day after he was hired and we had a great talk. He told me that he was going to make me an even better player, that he wanted me to keep doing exactly what I was doing. He wants to teach me and he wants to make sure that we are successful as a team and I'm successful as an individual. I talked to him about what I loved about being a White Sox, what I loved about the way the team was run under Rick Renteria because I didn't want Renteria fired. So I was honest with him. I gave him my concerns. I talked about certain team rules, certain things we were allowed to do, certain things we weren't allowed to do. We had a great conversation, and Tony is open to all the concerns I had. 
That's what Tony La Russa needed to do. And then Tim Anderson would have said that in the interview and in his statement. But now we're stuck. If I'm the owner of the White Sox, Jerry Reinsdorf, I'm stuck reading this where I have a manager and a star. This is my worst nightmare. I need them on the same page because it's nice that I hired Tony La Russa and tried to right past wrongs, continue to pay reparations. It's not reparations. That's too serious a word to use in the sports context. So that's not the word I meant to say. Trying to make things better for having made a human resources decision back in 1986. I think that's a better way to say it. Well, what would I, how would I deal with Tim Anderson? You know my answer. I would have called him immediately if I were Tony LaRussa, and he didn't. Thank you for contacting me on So You Want to Talk to Samson. It's going to be very interesting to watch the Chicago White Sox. Okay, let's go to nothing personal pick of the day. You know we're up a field goal, 32 and 29. We got a game tonight, Monday Night Football. Who's watching? Raise your hand. You're all going to watch. I never understood that, but you're all going to watch. All right, it's Pat's Jets. Pat's stink. Jets stink. Jets really stink. Pat's really stink. If your fantasy league and your match is over, then why are you watching the game? I'm not going to give a pick on the full game because then you got to stay up late, even on the West Coast. My pick is this. Under in the first quarter. Now, I'm willing to go out on a limb and say I love this. The over-under is seven and a half. You have to lay 141 to win 100 or forty-one to win a dollar. But the best news of all is you can go to bed at the end of the first quarter. So take the under, sit your fantasy players if you can, if you have any on the Pats and Jets, watch the first quarter, and go night-night. Nothing personal pick of the day, under in the one queue. Okay, wait to see is something we do here on Nothing Personal. I love these wait to sees. We've been doing them since the beginning of the show. A wait to see is when... We say something's going to happen. It either does or it doesn't, but we revisit it. One of the things that I promised you when we started Nothing Personal is that I'm accountable. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And if you tell me I'm wrong, I'm going to correct it. If Coca tells me, if you tweet at me at David P. Sampson, if you find me with a, I don't know what that's called, not a radar gun. What's the thing? A flare gun. Whatever you do to contact me, I'm going to correct it on the show. And I'm going to revisit every wait to see. Even when I'm wrong on a wait to see, I revisit it, tell you I was wrong. When I'm right, I'll tell you I'm right. A couple days ago, we did a show where we talked about roulette. And I cannot remember for the life of me what the context was, but I do remember talking about roulette. And I remember exactly, and I don't know why, telling you that if you choose a number, roulette is when you spin a wheel, you put a dollar on four, on, on 30. If it hits 30, I said you get paid 36 to 1. It's actually 35 to 1. Thank you very much for that correction. I got it wrong. Could be a degenerate gambling listener, but I ignore all adjectives. I go right to listener. Thank you. October 29th, 2020. I said that Justin Turner and the Dodgers were going to be fined when Justin Turner went on the field to celebrate the World Series championship over the weekend, Major League Baseball. I have no idea how this happened. 
Major League Baseball, Stan Kasten, the president of the Dodgers, and Justin Turner himself all came out with a statement. No fines for Justin Turner. No fines for the Dodgers. Baseball totally exonerated Turner, saying it was a total misunderstanding. We could have done better. He could have done better. He thought he wasn't the only one who had tested positive. He didn't think he was endangering anyone. The players begged him to come out. He was contrite and apologetic. Guess why that happened, by the way? The reason why that happened is Rob Manford is about to go into a very difficult offseason with the players union. They have a lot of negotiating to do where there's a lot of money involved. There is no way you've got to choose your battles. Justin Turner got lucky because the season was over and they're not going to fight about a fine for Justin Turner now. They're going to have to talk about COVID protocols and fines going forward. They see very well what the NFL has been doing with their fines. But Justin Turner succeeded because of timing. And I got that way to see wrong because of it. By the way, are you aware that the Dodgers have five positive cases on their team, four positive cases in their traveling party? That's a total of nine cases. You're not hearing about that, are you? Is it tied to Justin Turner directly? We don't know. Three quarters of life is timing. The other quarter is just showing up. On November 6th, 2020, the wait to see was there'd be no winner in the presidential election until at least Sunday. Nope, got that wrong too. I actually want to fight with Coco about this, but I don't like fighting with him, especially when his grandfather gave me such a good movie to review today. I think my exact wait to see Coca is that no official winner of the election would be announced until after Sunday. The media called the election for Biden. Biden gave a victory speech. It doesn't matter that Trump hasn't conceded. That's not the rule. But the official election happens. This is actually a true point that I'd like to uh, talk about briefly. Do you know when an election is actually official? I'm really begging for a correction if I'm wrong. I believe that the electors actually have to cast their vote. And once 270 electors cast the vote for the same guy or girl, or they or them or it, that person is the president. That's when the election is actually official. The electors use the fact that, hey, I'm a New Hampshire elector. New Hampshire went to Biden. I'm the elector in New Hampshire. There's three of us. We're all going to vote for Biden. There's 20 electors in Arizona. Arizona went to Biden. 20 of us are going to put our name behind Biden. There could be mayhem if electors decide not to follow the will of the people, because the truth is the electors have the final say. That's what makes it official. Why am I taking no on that? Wait to see. Get back to me, Coca. My wait to see for now, the MLB awards start tonight. For the next four days, we get MLB awards. How great is that? Rookie of the year is tonight. You heard me say it before. Devin Williams of the Brewers. Yes, rookie of the year. Louis Robert. There are people saying that Lewis of Seattle is going to win. That's the conventional wisdom. I think Robert gets rookie of the year. It's going to be a close vote. It shouldn't be close in the National League with Devin Williams, but wait to see. Rookie of the year matters. 
when you head into arbitration because you get to use that as an accomplishment. We had a bunch of rookies of the year. Chris Coglin never really made it. Others, Dontrell Willis, Jose Fernandez, made it. When you go into that arbitration room and you're Devin Williams and you're a reliever and you've won rookie of the year and you want to get paid like your teammate Josh Hader, you're going to look right at the arbitrator. You're going to look right at the GM David Stearns of the Brewers. And you're going to say, hi, I'm Devin. I won rookie of the year. It's just business. Pay me my money. It's nothing personal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.